everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show because we have a big crossover event. Mm-hmm. It is Virtual Reality Month going on at Reserved Seating every Thursday on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash FThisMovie. And it's time again for the February sci-fi fantasy fuck-up. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. And I'm joined by the man who just wants room service, Adam Risky. And my shirt's laundered. <laughs> I like. I think that might be my preferred line reading because I know the. I I just want a computer. There's one, and then um, the, and I want room service. I'm yeah. screaming to the heavens. Yes, or that is is a uh, one of the the favorite moments right. by Johnny Mnemonic fans. <laughs> but like I forgot about, and I want my shirts. <laughs> the best line in the movie and the best delivery is oh shit it's the yakuza <laughs> was that a line in it? yeah well that's it okay so here's where i need to come clean okay i watched the japanese director's cut oh and i'm not sure that that line is in the theatrical cut that one uh, the japanese I, I i did a lot of research yeah. today um the japanese cut is like Eight minutes longer, I okay. think, and has a different score yes. than the U.S. cut. It's like re-edited and has a different score. And supposedly it has a lot more um, Takeshi yes, Kitano, Kitano because he's obviously a really huge star in Japan. Right. So like that's how you sell your movie in Japan. And he kind of doesn't need to be in the movie almost. No, I mean it. I'm glad it almost, he's in it. It almost is like an early type of thing of um, a few years ago, especially when Hollywood was trying to like market movies to China, yes. like Hollywood movies. And it was, I remember Independence Day Resurgence That's the big one had that like comes to mind. Yeah, like had a, a character who was barely in the U.S. cut, right. but like in the in the cut for China, it was like she was a major <laughs> she character. Saved the planet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, hey man, it's cool. I mean, like we're in a. But just you know. give us all the same version of the movie. Like, have sure. that character in as much of the U.S. cut as she is in the Chinese cut. I, yeah, I guess I, so. Well, I, I mean, nothing would have saved the Independence no. Day resurgence. No. I'm curious about um, just kind of the vibe of the Japanese cut of Johnny Mnemonic versus the U.S. one. Because I'll, I'll say this, but I, I want to put a pin in it and okay. get back okay. to it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never felt more that this is an albert pune movie <laughs> than i did on this viewing like it seems I can see that it seems like a slightly more like it was a 30 million dollar movie yeah with the exception of keanu reeves being in it and a few other like well-known cast members i think the production value of it is like on par with it's cyborg pretty <laughs> shitty yeah uh yeah it kind of looks like garbage i so we'll get to it but yeah. i had to wonder if my reaction to the movie this time was because I was watching a different cut and I was like, if mm-hmm. I watched the theatrical cut, would I be having these same feelings? I don't know. I mean, like I, I had a great time watching the theater. This is a movie that I've grown to gradually like more okay. and more over time. This was probably my third viewing. Cause I saw it in theaters. I think I watched it once on DVD and then again today. Okay. I think this was either three or four for okay. me, but I remember the last time I watched it was, um, I bought it at half price books for six dollars, and it was the old DVD. Then this is the one that I watched today. It was um, or a couple days ago, 
it was full screen naturally but like for this movie yeah, full screen feels kind of great yeah like it feels like <laughs> the shittier the better i want to see this movie in like as lo-fi as possible um and i remember when i bought it i had like maybe two or three other movies and i went up to the counter and the woman who was like scanning them for me and everything she stopped on johnny mnemonic and she just goes is this good and i just said I don't really know. <laughs> and she laughed and I was just like, that's kind of, it wasn't like an answer I thought of. It just spilled out of my mouth. And yeah. I'm just like, that's the perfect answer. It's like, I don't really know. Like we're going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. It's like, object- yeah, we'll get to the bottom. I ordered mine online yeah. because it's an import and I got an email back that just said, Oh shit. The Yakuza. <laughs> Mine said, get ready for the ultimate hard drive. <laughs> that was in the posters. Oh, um, the tagline was the ultimate hard drive. What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> and then um, my favorite thing was this movie was not like critically acclaimed. What? So um, in the ads, uh, the only pull quote that really kind of got traction, it was in the, the, the newspaper ad and it was in the, on the DVD cover was um, a pulse-pounding cyber slam. <laughs> which it is. Which I think someone wrote that. Like, even if they are yeah. just a quote whore who wanted to be pull-quoted, they still were like, what's the thing that's going to get me pull-quoted? I know. Yeah. A pulse-pounding cyber slam. You could totally put that on Space Jam also. Yes. There's yeah. so many movies you could put that on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Virtuosity. Pulse-pounding cyber slam. Exactly. Yeah. Lawnmower Man. Pulse pounding cyber slam. That's P- hard to say. PPCS, baby. Yeah, God, man. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For those of you tuning in because you wanted to hear us talk about Johnny Mnemonic, congratulations. Oh, we, we're we going to talk talking about it. about it. Yeah, this is a very Johnny Mnemonic friendly episode. <laughs> so, is. like, if you are a fan and you're just, like, bracing yourself and you're yeah. just like, they called it a fuck up. It's <laughs> like, you know what? We treasure that here. <laughs> well... I'm sure, like, sometimes we get new listeners based on when we do slightly more esoteric movies yeah. because they're, like, searching for, hey, has there ever been a podcast about Johnny Mnemonic? Yeah. And it's us and, like, Pulse Pounding Cyber Slam, the podcast. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to we're gonna talk about it, but it's going to be in a little while because first we have to talk about what we've seen lately, which is the format of the show that we've been doing for 13 years. Yeah. So, Adam. Yeah. Have you seen anything good lately? Um, yeah, I, uh, have been doing 2003 rewatches. Yeah, baby. So I had a couple I wanted to talk about. One is a new to me. Okay. I watched Cold Mountain. Right. I was Oscar like, winning Cold Mountain. I was like 20 minutes into it and I wrote a tweet, which you should never do 20 minutes into a movie because then you have egg all over your face when you're just like, wait a minute, I kind of liked it. But you I called I it a pulse pounding cyber slam. I did not call it. I, I... Tweeted a gif of a guy spinning in a chair and just and I just wrote so bored watching <laughs> Cold Mountain, um, and then Charlie Hunnam shows up early in his career. No memory of that at all. As uh, one of Ray Winstone's henchmen, uh, Ray. I Winstone. don't remember Ray Winstone. Being Ray in the Winstone movie is like the primary antagonist in the movie, um, and other than the Civil War, <laughs> <laughs> and but then Ray Winstone. But the movie thinks Ray Winstone is worse than the Civil War. OMG. Um, and Charlie Hunnam is an albino guy who does backflips, <laughs> and I, it was the Rosetta Stone I needed to unlocking this movie, Okay, where I'm just like, if you push aside the central romance... 
because it's garbage. Like Jude Law and Nicole Kidman, it's not that they don't have chemistry. It's just that the characters at the beginning, other than the fact that she looks like Nicole Kidman and he looks like Jude Law, there's it doesn't make any sense why it's this star-crossed romance okay. or like this long distance, you know, like we got to get back together thing. But then the movie is more primarily interested in being like a choose-your-own-adventure Civil War Mad Libs <laughs> travelogue. And that I was completely on board with because you'll have like a random scene where it's, you know, like Charlie Hunnam's backflipping or Giovanni Ribisi like doing a bait and switch and like singing like... I'm good at what I do, General Lee. (laughs) And then, like, Melora Walters is like a honey trap. And it's just like there's... I need to rewatch Cold Mountain. It's so weird. And I really have fun with it. right? Yeah. 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 And it's um, it's just, you know, it just had such kind of like, you know, handle it with white gloves (laughs) kind of vibe to it that I put it off for a long time. Right. And when I watched it, I was just like... This isn't. This is. This is what I want Oscar bait to be. I want it to be like super weird, and I kind of. I kind of liked it. The other one that I watched um, that I was hoping that I would like more now than I did in '03 when I saw it was How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, because I've just am sort of starved for a good romantic comedy. Your place or mine on Netflix. Oh no, <laughs> no, I didn't watch it either. <laughs> so, um, I I thought it was funny when I saw like, did you see the pictures of like them at the premiere where like Ashton Kutcher and like Reese Witherspoon are standing like apart and like they have their hands in their pockets and they look like we're contractually obligated to be here. And I read that Mila Kunis texted both of them and it's like, dummies, you have to act like you like <laughs> each other. <laughs> Uh, I did not. Erica told me a little bit about that because I guess yeah. people were talking about it online, but I didn't yeah. see any behind-the-scenes photos. I, 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 I don't know. Reese Witherspoon doesn't exude fun to me no, ever. I swear there was like an ad yeah. that referred to her as like the queen of the rom-com, and I was like, "Sweet Home Alabama," yeah. and what? Yeah. I don't. What else? Why are we giving her this legally blonde? Is that a rom? Yeah, I mean, it's it's There's not romance, primarily focused would, on it. It's yeah. comedy first. Sure. Yeah. I, I and I'm not knocking Reese Witherspoon. 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 She had Witherspoon with uh, yeah. Ryan Phillippe. <laughs> why can't? <laughs> why don't your romances connect with a spawn? <laughs> You're like a chemistry's alarming Witherspoon. Anyways, um, Reese Witherspoon <laughs> is an actor that I've liked in a lot of things. She's amazing in Election. She's very yeah, good yeah, in yeah. Wild. I mean, like, she could do a lot of stuff. Yeah. I just don't ever get the sense of her being fun. Like, that's almost what makes the Legally Blonde performance that much more impressive. Because right, you're just right, like, right, right. this is not you at all. No. Like, I, I agree with you. You're a, We're on the same page. Yeah, you're when a it stick in the mud. So the wither spawn. Yeah. So, um, anyways, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I am not as big of a Kate Hudson fan as most people, I think. I don't even know if she's got, like... A big fandom, really, even anymore. But um, I don't know when Glass Onion came out, there was a lot of like Queen. Okay, but All that's right. anybody who does anything. I think yeah. gets Queen tweets. And I don't, 
I think she like she can sell a lot of like comedic beats in the movie and everything like that. I just I don't know for some reason I just have never she's never been my it girl. Um, Matthew McConaughey like I think it helps that we're away from his failure yeah, to launch yeah, fool's, right. fool's gold stuff. So like it's just like this unto itself. If I'm just watching this movie, he works. Um, but the it just goes on way too long and it's like not my original thought necessarily, but like I hate romantic comedies that are built around a bet or oh, like sure. a deception right. or lying. So and stuff most like that. of them. Yeah. And it's just like so unnecessary. <laughs> it's like just show to be, and some of it could work. Like we just saw, like we both saw you've got mail over right. the weekend and that's based off of like, a big deception and yeah. stuff. And I almost wish the movie was kind of braver and like, just tell her at the sure. cafe Lala, right. you know, who yeah, you yeah, are yeah, and yeah, stuff and sure. see where it goes. Right. But you know, they still made a good movie. So whatever. <laughs> but, um, one thing that was driving me crazy and it was like, it stopped me dead in my tracks in how to lose a guy in 10 days is the movie takes place, you know, over a short amount of time, the titular 10 days, 10 days, it happens during the NBA Finals. I don't remember that. They're in New York. Okay. So it's the Knicks and the Sacramento Kings, an unlikely pair to be in the NBA Finals. <laughs> but it's a New York movie, so whatever. It's a fantasy. So, like, two or three of the dates have them going to Knicks games. Okay. Um, And I had two thoughts. But the first, the movie-related thought is... They say at the end of the movie, like, right before they go to the big party and the deception is unrevealed and stuff, he's just like, yeah, and, you know, on our next date, we're going to go to Knicks Game 7. You know, the big game and everything. Kings Winner takes all. Seven. Winner takes all. Like Bibby be flopping. That will make sense to sports fans. So, <laughs> Not <laughs> um, to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, and we don't find out. What happened in the game? What? It's a real sudden death situation. Wow. Where it's, just, I'm just like, you have to reveal what happened at the, the game. Mascot. Yeah, I'm like, this is almost fever pitch. This is almost, <laughs> like, I need to know who won Knicks Kings. Anyways, the second thing fever is fever pitch, no deception. No, just no. Yeah, yeah. Straightforward. Just two people trying to learn to love each other. Yeah, they they have to get over some humps. What are negotiables? What are non-negotiables? And you're not allowed to call Reese Witherspoon the queen of the romantic comedy when Drew Barrymore still walks the earth. Please, Witherspoon. Because she makes... <laughs> Drew Barrymore makes everything work. Mm-hmm. Martin Sheen's just like, <laughs> I got a... <laughs> I got a courtship with for you that will make every other courtship look like a skin rash. And she's like, what does that even mean? Anyways. Witherspawn. Witherspawn. Listen to Martin Sheen. Witherspawn. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and then the other thing was, okay. Um, oh, shit. This movie. <laughs> this movie. Crit- How do you lose a guy in 10 days? There's an earlier scene where it's their like, first or second date and they're at the Knicks game and everything. And. Of course, they go. the The go to is just like, how do we show that people are into the game? It's just like, come on, ref, what was up with that call? Yeah. And my personality is just, I'm so conflict averse 
that even when I go to a basketball game or I go to a baseball game, if I'm there with a person and they're just like, oh, come on, what was with that call? I'm just like, will you shut the fuck up? <laughs> I'm like, a mistake happened. Let's just move on. I'm like, do I have to sit with your anxiety and anger now? Like, I thought this was supposed to be fun and leisure. Now we're yelling? <laughs> And that happens in the in the How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, and I'm just okay. like, how do I fast forward this scene? I'm Yikes. like, I, I I don't want to deal with your shit. No, I don't so, blame you. Yeah, I don't really like McConaughey in romantic comedy mode. I could see that. I don't know. I buy Kate yeah. Hudson in that yeah. type of movie more than I do McConaughey. Her friend in the movie, or one of her friends, is like Catherine Hahn before she was Catherine Hahn. Okay. And the whole time I was just like, I would knock over five Kate Hudsons right. to like go out on a date with Catherine Hahn. Well, fail- failure to launch is the same thing, isn't it? Like Lizzie Kaplan or somebody. I thought it was great. like Zoe Deschanel or something. Oh, yeah, it might yeah. be. Okay. I can't keep them straight. Yeah. Widdersport. <laughs> Tamer, Josh Lucas. <laughs> what do you mean, Tamer? <laughs> This is a bad job. <laughs> it's spot on. Oh, my mic is cutting out. Okay, there we go. I think I think that's it. Hold on. That's it for the show? That's it for the show. Oh, We're done. We're just fine. <laughs> um, and then I uh, I watched an 83. Yeah, baby. Speaking of baby, I watched Baby It's You. Baby It's You from 83. From 83. And uh, I'm I'm digging the early John Sayles stuff. Yeah. I really liked Brother from Another Planet, and I think that was the movie he did after Baby It's You. Okay. Um, but Baby It's You, like, I stumbled upon it, really, because, like, I just, I once I knew that we were doing 1983, I just went through, like, Wikipedia of, like, every movie... It's like there's a page called right. 1983 yeah, yeah. in film, and you just look at the alphabetical list. And then it said next to the name of the movie is, like, who's in it and who directed it and stuff like that. So I'm just like, okay, Roseanne Arquette. I'm a big fan of hers. I want to see this. Um, and then Vincent I'm, Spano, I'm in. He was good in the one Tales from the Crypt <laughs> episode, and that almost, like, flipped the script for Which me. Which one is he Spano. in? It's the one with um, that's, like, Strangers on a Train with David Paymer. And Tracy Lords, where Paymer kills Tracy Lords. Did that come later? It was like season four or five. I mean, I'm sure I saw it, but I didn't get back to it. It's good. It's like really, really good. Um, But yeah, and Vincent Spano is just like great. It's like one of the best like uh, performances in a Crypt episode. Nice. Um, So I, uh, yeah, I, I liked Baby It's You a lot. It was... I've never really seen a movie that's so good at showing the we grew apart okay. part of a relationship yeah. before because yeah, yeah. it's like they were in high they they were you know it was a total opposites attract thing in high school um, and then you know she went to college he went off to kind of like start sort of he he's an interesting guy he almost reminds me of like. Nicholas Cage in Moonstruck, where he's just like a person out of time almost. Okay. Like he just doesn't fit with okay. like everything. He's just an unusual guy. But he like wants to be like a a lounge singer type. And like what you see him doing later is like he's lip syncing to Ray Sinatra songs <laughs> for senior citizens and it's like at like dinner clubs. Yeah. And it's like the most depressing thing ever. And he's he doing can, halftime at the Super Bowl next he, year. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't great. Um, And then, um, yeah, but it was just like the natural evolution of things where people just become different over time. And like 
you know, what once made sense doesn't make sense anymore. And um, just kind of like the scenes together with them, like reconciling over time and like understanding, you know, who they are now. I just, I just really liked it. It kind of just got to me. Yeah. So Uh, speaking of 83, the reason that we watched some 83 movies I should bring up is because of F this movie fest, which is happening on Saturday, March 4th. Uh, starting at 10 a.m. Central Time, we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of the year 1983, watching six movies from 1983. The six movies are, let's see if I can do this, War Games. Ding. Superman 3. Ding. Mr. Mom. Ding. Krull. Ding. I know what six is. Five is Valley Girl. Ding. Six is Return of the Jedi. Ding. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so join us on Twitter Hashtag F this movie fest. Go to F this movie.com for more information. With a spawn. With a spawn. Spawn clown will be with us talking about with a spawn. Sweet. Um, some new stuff. Yeah. I saw infinity pool. I know Anthony talked about it on a previous episode. Yeah. I, uh, would love to talk to him about it. Cause I think he said that he had like a specific reading on it and I took it. Yeah, like, he saw it as a movie about addiction. He said, okay. Yeah. I mean like I just want, maybe I'm just wasn't very curious while I was watching. I just saw it like very literally Yeah, for what it was. Um, it's, I'm not there yet on Brandon Cronenberg. Okay. I've seen possessor and I've seen infinity pool. I liked infinity pool a little bit more just cause I think it's, it's weird, but it's like very, um, I don't know. It's it's not tough. Weird. It's like <laughs> it's easy to watch. Weird. Okay. Um, and I've liked you know I like this more than some of the past David Cronenberg movies recently. Sure. So there's something to be said for that. The yeah. reason why I went was because of Mia Goth. I sure. just kind of am on a high about her. Um, the movie does something that I'm not crazy about. I mentioned it to you and Rob. I think in a cut bit of. Reserve seating on okay. the virtuo- virtuosity <laughs> review. I have a tough time in movies when people are being humiliated. Right. Um, so, like, in virtuosity, there's a scene where, like, Russell Crowe's, um, you know, got people held hostage in a club and he's humiliating them. Or, like, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one of the reasons why it's so scary to me, like, the dinner scene is just, like, it's not bad enough that she's terrified. <laughs> right. It's that they're making fun of her for right. being terrified. Right. Um, I. That being said, so things like with humiliation and domination, I'm just not a fan of. With that being said, I would be fine if Mia Goth humiliated or dominated me. <laughs> like, her doing it is almost like, yes, please. Like, she's so good at it, and mm-hmm. it's such, like, an engaging performance. And she's just, like, on a heater right now. Like, I just yeah. am, like, really excited about, like, you know, what she's got coming up. and Maxine, what she's doing. baby. Yeah, yeah. Bring it on. Why wasn't there a Maxine trailer for the Super Bowl? Missed opportunity. Oh, Jesus. Or just like some sort of crypto.com starring Maxine. <laughs> she 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 knows better. <laughs> um yeah, and then I saw True Crime. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, Finally! So, so this month was supposed to be 1999 New to Me watches. Okay. I'm skipping around. I did 89 last month, and right. this month I was going to do 99s. But I'm just like, I don't have time because of the 83 stuff. 
So what I'm doing, and I, this is so stupid. It's like this <laughs> peek behind the curtain that nobody cares about. I'm just like, I'll watch two eighty nine or two ninety nines this month, and I'll watch two next month, and I'll watch two the following that month, works. and then I'll catch up. Yeah. So I watched Stuart Little. Have nothing to say about. <laughs> Never it. seen it. Uh, the weird thing about Stuart Little, though, is uh, it takes place three years after Jerry Maguire, but Jonathan Lipnicki looks like he's Benjamin Buttoning. Oh, boy. I'm just like, why do you look four here and you look <laughs> six then? I'm so confused. Anyways, Stuart Little. I think a, he's a real mouse. Did you ever see that SNL sketch with Ben Affleck? I don't think so. It's like a critics roundtable where they just give, <laughs> they call everything a pulse pounding cyber I kinda slam. Need, I kind of need to watch that. I'll try to find it and send it to you because it's really funny and it, okay. it, they review Stuart Little and Ben Affleck <laughs> believes it to be a real, but I think he's a real mouse <laughs> and he goes on. Anyway. I like it. Um, true crime. Yeah. Written um, by Paul Brickman, which I just found oh, yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. A risky business. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, it's great perv Clint. Yeah. I, I don't remember the perv part. You texted me that. Oh, and I just watched it last year. Oh, and I'm he's, like, he's a perv in he's this? He's a runaway perv in this. <laughs> he's like, so he's married to Diane Venora. Okay. And he's a terrible father. He, there's this scene. Oh, where he's always called, a terrible father. There's this one <laughs> that goes scene, without saying. And he's got like a really young daughter, and she's always like, take me to the zoo, take me to the zoo. But he's like, you know, a workaholic right. journalist and of stuff. Of course. You know, just bad dad. Um, and he takes her to the zoo and he's just like, I don't have a lot of time. So we're going to do fast. Zoo. Yes, I remember and fast then, zoo. Like, they're running around and it's the most mortifying <laughs> moment I've seen in a movie in a long time. It's a pulse pounding cyber slam. It's like the part in adaptation where Chris Cooper's parents get killed, like when they, they get hit really hard. <laughs> but it's like the girl falling out of a stroller because of Fasu. Yes, I totally remember this, but I don't remember Perv. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, Clint is just hitting on everybody. He's sleeping with Dennis Leary's wife. Okay, I remember um, that. He's hitting on Lucy Liu at the end, who has, like, a before-she-was-famous cameo at a toy store. And she kind of is just like, oh, that's him. And I'm just like, how many times does he go into the toy store and hit on women? Um, he's hitting on Mary McCormick right. at the beginning. of course. He's just runaway perv Clint. Yes. In it. There's a she character... gets him to watch uh, to Leslie, though, right? Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, she's in a bar. Because she's the one who, like, kicked off that whole campaign to get Mary Andrea Rice. Yeah. Oh, she's I married to the that. director, and she was the oh. one who started, like, contacting everybody, like, watch to Leslie. Yeah, Good for her. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, there's a character in True Crime just named Pussy Man. <laughs> is he played by Clint Eastwood? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's his superhero moniker. But... Clint Eastwood is a bad dad in literally every movie he's ever made. Yeah. The best dad he's ever played is the guy from Unforgiven, and he abandons those kids for months. Yeah, but he meant it in a nice way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's like, tend to those hogs. What What after that? I don't know. I'll be back, maybe. Spirit quest? <laughs> Walk about? Um, yeah, so, yeah, there's a guy named Pussy Man, and yeah. he's just like a street person who's just like shouting expletives and sexual harassment at women but then at the end of the movie he's dressed like santa claus and collecting money for the salvation army and then like clint eastwood gives him money after he leaves the toy store after sexually harassing borderline sexually harassing lucy Liu, and he's just like that'll do pussy man and like walks away <laughs> like that's almost the second to last beat of the movie I'm so excited to revisit true crime um 
Yeah, it's just a crazy movie. The the stuff that's the crux of the plot where he's like trying to save Isaiah Washington right. um from being executed uh for a crime he didn't commit. It's pretty good. I mean, like it's like it, it goes bananas at the end where it's just like a race to the jail of and course. stuff. Um it turned in like there's a scene where he's like Step lifts, on it, pussy man. <laughs> he like, we gotta get to the courthouse. <laughs> he like lifts the uh, the emergency brake and like does a donut spin like to evade the police. I mean, it's just like he's just like, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, I really had fun with it. It, yeah. was, it was good. It's good, sleepy Clint. Yeah. Um, I saw the Titanic re-release. Right. Uh, the only change was the movie, you know how it opens with um, Bill Paxton? Yeah. You know, kind of doing the proxy James Cameron. Right. Um, now it opens with, like, Jack Dawson sitting on the ocean floor, and he just says, <laughs> I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> he says, I bet you're wondering how I got here. But let me warn you, this story is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and then... It's like bookended at the end yeah. where the Hope Diamond lands on his neck. Yeah. But he's like a decayed like skeleton. He looks right. like the guy from Zombie who yeah. just fights yeah, the yeah, shark. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he says, you know, he's like, you got to look around every once in a while or you could miss it. And I'm just like, this is a weird Titanic. Um, the person I went with got a Coke with ice and I'm like, disrespectful. <laughs> I like Titanic a lot. It's, it's good. still really good. We did um, a podcast on it years ago. People should go back and listen to it. Yeah, the 3D doesn't really add much, but it doesn't. It becomes like almost invisible. It doesn't take anything away. But I was telling you the other day, it's not like the the best real D conversion I've seen is Jaws because it, you would swear that Steve, that Steven Spielberg <laughs> shot it in 3D originally, just with the depth of field right. and everything. With this, it just, um, I don't know, but I mean, like, the to the testament of the movie, like, it just, you just forget about it. Yeah. You just get caught up in it. I have a question for you, though. Um, one thing that I was noticing a lot, besides that Billy Zane's performance is amazing and people should never have mocked it, um, <laughs> is he knows exactly what movie's in. He does. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio is so good in that movie as being charismatic, suave, romantic guy. Okay. That I'm surprised he never really went back to that. He's been, catch me if you can, Wolf of Wall Street, kind of like the fun, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, kind of more fun again. But like he's never really kind of gone back to romantic, and I think he's really good at it. I think he's just running from it. I think he's been running from it for 25 years. Yeah, because he definitely, there was like a conscious choice to kind of... I'll do the up, beach. I'll right. up, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a shame. I feel I feel like him and it, it's funny that when he reunites with Kate Winslet, which should have been so exciting, Oof. they did it in the shittiest movie Oof. possible that Yikes. they could have picked. Yeah. Everybody watch Revolutionary Road. Yeah. Or don't. Your life will be better. Right. Um and then we we time traveled, you and I and Erica and the and your kids were there. Um, to December eighteenth, nineteen ninety eight, because we were apparently transported to a opening night screening of You've Got Mail <laughs> at the Alamo Draft House, Chicago. That movie like played Holy gangbusters. Cow. The girl, the the woman sitting next to me gasped twice, like when he says, "Do you think we should meet?" And he hits she send. Gasped? She gasped, gasped, and then when she goes meet, she goes. <gasps> And I'm just like, where have you been? (laughs) 
Like <laughs> the movie played really well. Yeah. Charlie named it as one of his new favorite movies. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And Rosie was not too bored. She didn't go to sleep, so yeah. that's good. Uh, yeah, it was super fun because it played really, really well. So well mm-hmm. that I was like, we should take the kids back to the draft house to the to the Bring It On brunch. Already sold out. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Those those special screenings are fun. I went to um, the first movie I saw. There was a Pulp Fiction movie party. Yeah, I don't necessarily. What's the, what's the what is the movie party? Okay, it's a real kind of like double edged sword in my opinion because you get tchotchkes. You get okay. like, I got like a mug that said um, uh, gourmet shit. Okay. For, for for the coffee. Right, I saw right. Pulp Fiction. I don't know if I mentioned that. You did. Yeah, okay. So I saw Pulp Fiction. So I said, got that. I got a Z keychain for Zed's nice, motorcycle. Nice. For Zed's chopper. Um, and then I got a ca- a pack of uh, candy cigarettes, which I guess are supposed to be the red apples. Okay. But um, I, I kind of sunk in my seat a little bit because they have sort of like an MC at the beginning to kick it off and everything. And they were just like, you know, this is a movie party. So there's different rules. You can hoot, you can holler, you can Mm. quote along with the movie and everything Mm. like that. But with the exception of once or twice, somebody doing that, and it was early in the movie, everybody just shut up and watched Pulp Fiction. And I'm like, yes, because anything you say is not as good as what you are saying (laughs) on the screen. And I think that's why I would probably, unless it's something like I know that they're doing a movie party for Space Jam, and I'm not, I'm not going to see that. But right. that's the type of movie where, like, do I really care if somebody yeah, says, right. like, go right. Daffy at like Space Jam? <laughs> There's Wayne Knight. <laughs> <laughs> I did rewatch Space Jam recently on HBO why? Max. It holds up so well compared to New Legacy. Well, um, sure, that's but like that movie or drown. I felt just bad for Wayne Knight. In that movie, because in he's Space just, Jam, yeah, because okay. he's just like they're just making fun of him and his size and things like that, oh. and it's just like it's like that ugly reminder of just like yeah, oh right. yeah, the nineties were a thing right. sometimes. But know. at least Lola Bunny is like hot. All right, I'm glad you brought up Lola Bunny because <laughs> I do have an autobiographical Space Jam story to tell. Here we go. I was in high school. There's this kid who was in my gym class and everything like that, and um, he. Um, it was after opening weekend of Space Jam and the kid goes, Hey Adam, have you seen Space Jam? And I said, yeah. And he's just like, how about Lola Bunny? What? And I was a dick about it. I kind of made fun of him a lot. And Good. I, but to an extent that I probably should have. <laughs> I was like Vanderbeek. You turned him Ang- into your Wayne Knight. I was like Vanderbeek and Angus. It was like, calm down a little, Adam. <laughs> you, who are you trying to impress? My friends is who I was trying to impress. Was it worth it? Not really. Okay. Anyways. So um, it was like, and I think you said this or somebody said this at one point. It's like when somebody says something like racist to you. Yeah. That you're almost more offended yes. that you would think that, that they think that you would be okay with that. That it's okay to say in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I felt about the Lola bunny thing where I'm just like, <laughs> I'm no cartoon bunny fucker. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's understandable. I'm just like, if I'm lusting after anybody, it's Jordan's highlights. I'm not <laughs> lusting after Cartoon Bunny. No, I, I'm not either. If I'm lusting after anything, it's when Quad City DJs plays Welcome to the Space Jam. So I've anyway. seen Space Jam once, Yeah, and it was in 1996. 
when I w- went back to that newspaper site and I read Siskel's uh, review of Space Jam, it's so funny because he's so like flowery about it and he just thinks the world of it. And I know like, he how... likes Michael Jordan. But oh, like... yeah. He was a huge like Bulls guy. Right. Yeah. But what else is there to recommend in that movie? He just was like, it was mostly the Jordan thing. Yeah. But I remember he was very, he's being very like territorial with it where he's just like, He's like, uh, Bulls won, Lakers zero after Shaq's Kazam. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm like, it's more like 0.25 to zero. Right. It's not more, not like one to zero. Yeah, no. So, I don't know. All right. Yeah. Uh, is that it? Yeah. All right. Um, I have a few that I'll go through rather quickly. Uh, I finally saw a movie called Catfight. That I've been wanting to see for a number of years. Anne Heche, Sandra O. Oh. That's the one. I remember the poster. It's Honor Turkel, who made uh, a vampire movie that I really liked and something else. I'm not remembering his filmography at the moment. Hold on. I'm Is pulling it up. The Milo Ventimiglia vampire one? Uh, like- no, that's a very serious movie. He okay. makes like comedic movies. Got it. Um. Hold on. Oh, it won't let me click on his name, or will it? Oh, yeah, it did. Uh, Drawing Blood? That's not right. That's not the one. Anyway, it doesn't matter, because I can't find it right now. Have you ever met Pushy Man? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, it's essentially like Sandra Oh is this rich and powerful socialite and Anne Heche is like a down on her look would be artist. Mm-hmm. They used to know each other. They get in a fist fight. I don't, I don't want to spoil things. They end up like kind of trading places. I almost okay. paired this with trading places oh. when we did our Friday night double features. Cause as I watched it, I'm like, this is kind of a trading places situation. Um, I found it weirdly dark and mean-spirited for what is supposed to be a comedy. Mm -hmm. But then the longer it goes on, the more it started to kind of come into focus. And I was like, oh, I think I see what he's doing here. And it's kind of a metaphor for war because there's this whole thing about a a war that threads through it that America is fighting at the time that this is all happening. Mm -hmm. Um, It's on Netflix. I... Wanted to see it out of respect for Anne Heche because I'm just realizing that I'm more of an Anne Heche fan than I thought I was. Yeah. She was somebody I didn't totally appreciate in life and I know she had many demons and put people at risk and I'm not condoning that behavior, but she... It makes sense to have mixed emotions about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I liked her as an actor and I liked seeing her show up and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, her and Sandra Oh are both good in Catfight. I don't know if I'm right, if that's a recommendation or not. But, okay. Um, I still watched a crazy movie from 1976 called Massacre at Central High. I think I've heard of it. Uh, Synapse just put it out on Blu-ray. Okay. It's not available to stream. I was just looking it up because I want to point people in, in its direction. But I think you can only watch it on disc. Um, there's a bunch of people you would recognize – in it, including Andrew Stevens from The Fury, mm-hmm. Robert Carradine from Revenge of the Nerds, mm-hmm. Kimberly Beck from Friday the 13th Part 4, uh, a couple other recognizable faces. And it's essentially about this kid who comes to a new school, and it's almost like a weird proto-Heathers without being a comedy. He starts, like, taking out some of the students, and... 
changing the hierarchy of power at the school and like here's what happens when there's a power vacuum and who's going to try to fill it okay it's fascinating because it's like an Sounds exploitation good. movie it yeah. is it's it, yeah there's a hang gliding sequence that i wasn't anticipating okay because like uh, you so rarely school? are like no just like at one point the group oh. of boys the popular kids go hang gliding and one of them Lands in some power lines. Spoiler. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. I recommend yeah. people check it out. I was surprised by how much I dug it. Doesn't somebody fall into power lines via parachute and drop zone? For sure. Or was it terminal velocity? Uh, Did it happen in terminal velocity? No, I don't think so. Okay. I need to watch Gandolfini lands in the in the wind turbine thing. <laughs> sure. Spoilers. Yeah. You can't you can't put a wind turbine in a movie without no. somebody without sending sh- Tony Soprano into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um and then the uh the rewrite I saw um which Brian Sauer just okay. brought up on the calendar episode, I think, when they were like waxing poetic about music and lyrics. Speaking uh. of Drew Barrymore, queen of the romantic comedy, yeah, the rewrite is the same writer director, Mark Lawrence. Um, mm-hmm. I found a copy used for like two dollars at Half Price Books. Nice, and I was like, Brian was just talking about this, and it's Hugh Grant and Marissa Tomei, promising. J.K. Simmons, Allison Janney, Oof, doing, they're both doing exactly what they're hired to do. It's kind of amazing because they're each their own version, just the other gender. Right. Yeah. The same yeah, thing. yeah. They're yeah. just like, you know, we're supporting players or are we? And it's just like, <laughs> calm down. It's worth it for the Hugh Grant, Marissa Tomei stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's a, a screenwriter who's kind of down on his luck, who gets hired to teach at a college, to mm-hmm. teach screenwriting at a college. And here's what happens. And I remember when that was in theaters, it was one of those that things. That came out in theaters? But it was like one of those things where it played at Woodfield and it was like two screenings and it wasn't playing like hardly anywhere else. Okay. But I remember it was like right around the time when like some of the Van Damme movies were popping up yes. in theaters. So I was always like looking at you know the ones by us the megaplexes where i'm just like which rando vod I saw, title i saw enemies closer I at did streets too. of woodfield i did too yeah <laughs> uh anyway i missed the rewrite in theaters but it's a perfectly fine dvd watch okay yeah take, johnny mnemonic take that with a spot <laughs> This is how we do it. Marissa Tomei is more queen of the romantic comedy than yeah. Witherspawn. I have uh, Only You on my list of 94 rewatches. Never seen it. That's going to be my March. Okay. Is 94s. So, yeah. I'm I don't know how it. I've uh, managed to avoid it all these years, but. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just remember uh, George Costanza having a crush specifically on Marissa Tomei and Only You from Seinfeld. Oh, that's the movie that he... He was watching, yeah, because, okay. like, his wife was, or his fiance was just, Susan was just, like, like Marissa Tomei again, but he was watching, like, Only You. I remember yeah. his crush on yeah. her, but I didn't realize that it was, was from really Only funny. You. Yeah. yeah. Classic. Yeah. Classic Seinfeld. Classic Only You. The ultimate heart. Better Only You is Andrew McCarthy, Kelly Preston, and Helen Hunt. That's what that movie was called? Yeah. I knew, like, I know I've seen parts of it, and I just had never. It's Betty Thomas's it first movie. I think it used to show on HBO a lot. The Brady Bunch movies, Betty Thomas. Private Parts is Betty Thomas. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Comes out in '95. On a great weekend. What was the weekend? Uh, it was May 26, 1995. Okay. You had Casper. <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic. All right. 
Mad Love. Never seen Mad Love. You haven't lived in Thieves. <laughs> Speaking you call of Drew Barrymore. I know. Damn it. And um, uh, a little movie called Tales from the Hood. I'm familiar with Tales from the Hood. All right. So take yeah. Tales from the Hood out of it because yeah. obviously that's knowing what you know now. Yeah. What do you go see first? Tales from the Hood. No, take Tales from the Hood out of it. Of the remaining three. Oh, Casper. Because that's, okay. that's, exa- that's exactly what I... You mean right now or what I, what I would have done back then? Now. Like knowing now, what you know now. Of those three, yeah. I w- do I have my past history or am I like a clean slate? Clean slate. Okay. I would probably go see Casper. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I in, in 95, I did see Casper opening weekend. Okay. I didn't see Johnny Mnemonic until video. I didn't see Johnny Mnemonic till second run. Okay. But I did see it in theaters. That's the only one of those that I saw in theaters because I didn't okay. see Tales from the Hood in theaters. Yeah, I saw that in theaters too. Damn it. I remember um, when I saw Tales from the Hood in theaters, it was at the the Woodfield Mall. Yeah. Like, and I've talked about this before. Yeah. Like Most theaters by me, it was just like, I don't know, kid, for laying you into this R-rated movie. The Woodfield Mall was just like, can you see over the counter? <laughs> Get in there. And it used to be an ice rink, right? Yeah, it was a, a real, real cinema, cinema rink situation. Um, but I remember like going into the theater for Tales from the Hood, and I know this isn't true, but I feel like when I went in there, it was like me, my friend, and like the the cast of From Dust Till Dawn were in there. <laughs> it was like a, it was like the bikers. Dog, it was like bikers. Oh, your head. <laughs> like they're choppers. Tales from the Hood. <laughs> So yeah, I'm like I'm like man. Saturday at two twenty is fucking wild. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I didn't see. Uh, so how how did Johnny Mnemonic play for you in the theaters? In Not 95? well, okay. and I couldn't figure out why because I was like, this movie seems tailor made for me. Like I'm a huge Keanu Reeves fan. Mm-hmm. He's coming off of Speed, so I'm like, yeah. he's a list now. He's yeah. not like the guy that I have to talk everyone into liking. He's mm-hmm. He made Speed. Everybody loves Speed. Um, it's got Henry Rollins. Yeah. It's got Ice T. Yeah. It's got Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Uh, it's based on a William Gibson book, which I think I started reading William Gibson because I found out they were making Johnny Mnemonic into a movie with Keanu Reeves. And I was like, well, then I better do my fucking homework. Did you read like Neuromancer yes. and all that stuff? Yes. Okay. Which I always almost want to say necromantic because. <laughs> Music Box just played one of those. It just showed on uh, Joe Bob last week. Oh, did it? Okay. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I, didn't, I haven't. I haven't read Neuromancer or read or watched Necromantic. I haven't read Neuromancer since late '94, so okay. I don't remember much of it. But yeah. uh, I bought the paperback at Tower Records because I was like, I should be into William Gibson. Mm-hmm. I gotta see Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> um, I feel like there was another reason why I should love the movie, but those are th- th- those are plenty of reasons why I should love Johnny Mnemonic. And I remember coming out of it being like, I don't think that worked. Yeah. And then I watched it again on DVD, and I'm like, it's just, I think it's just too silly. And then I watched it today, and I was like, yes, it's a dolphin. Of course it is. I love yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, the movie is kind of kooky to begin with. Yeah. But when the dolphin shows up, it's just like, oh, we're going there. Right. Like it, it feels it doesn't feel organic. It, but it's like the cherry you want on top of this. Of course, it almost like announces to you like this has been silly the whole time. Lighten up, <laughs> right? Yeah. Dolph Lundgren is playing a Jesus obsessed assassin. Dolph Lundgren is playing Mister Freeze, but Jesus, <laughs> he just. And- 
He just keeps saying Jesus. I laughed so hard when he at one point just says Jesus time and like kills a guy because that's all he does in the movie. Like one thing that was interesting when I was doing all this like kind of show prep for it was and it wasn't a, a knock on Dolph Lundgren as a as an actor or as a person. But um, Robert Longo, who directed the movie, and um, William Gibson, who who adapted his, yeah, his like material wrote the into screenplay. the screenplay, they never intended to have the priest character in the movie. Right. So when the studio, uh, it was Sony, forced Dolph Lundgren on them, uh, they were like, I have no idea what to do with him. So they like created this character all a whole cloth and basically just... Um, his character got like severely cut um, in the different, you know, edits of the movie leading up to the release where like he had a lot of, um, I don't know, extra darkness to him where like he was like almost like a cult leader and like he was kind of preaching to the people who had the um, virus, which is called nerve. The black NAS, shakes. The black shakes. Yeah. NAS nerve attenuation, attenuation syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah all that got cut and he had like religious zealot monologues and stuff right. like that all that got cut and now he's like yeah basically just mr freeze who kills people <laughs> that spouts like jesus stuff the movie is at its least successful i think in moments like jesus time i mean now we can watch it and we can laugh but like yeah. it tries maybe a handful of times like 10 or fewer yeah to get off these one-liners where it, yeah. it's trying to function more like a traditional hollywood blockbuster yeah and it doesn't work yeah like when he holds uh says double cheese anchovies with yes his suitcase yes exactly stuff like that or my favorite one was um they they break into a place and then uh johnny says to dina meyer keanu says to dina meyer i used to have a summer job breaking and entering and it's just like somebody wrote that and i'm sure it wasn't william gibson no i (laughs) william gibson has kind of divorced himself from the movie and said well this isn't the movie that i wrote yeah which i can believe Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of his kind of DNA still in the movie, I think. Yeah. I think the idea is so interesting. Like these yeah. human couriers who you download data into their heads and mm-hmm. then extract it from their heads. Like mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways, it's ahead of its time. And and somebody kind of gives a speech about like technology overload late in the film. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's what we're living through right now. I mean, the movie's set in 2021. It might as well have been made in 2021 when it, it gets Henry to that Rollins, speech. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, are they they closely accurate. Yeah. Close to accurately predicted. More so than, like, virtuosity, which we did yeah. on reserve seating last week. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, because they had, like, I wrote down, like, you know, corporations extending their power past where they should. Yeah. Um, viruses. The nostalgia channel, I mean, right. stuff like that. Like <laughs> right. it's us right now, right? Um, yeah. No, this uh, one thing I will say, and I'm noticing this more as I'm watching these virtual reality movies with Rob and and with you this month. Whether it's virtuosity or you know hackers or something or like Johnny Mnemonic, I don't think that the movies got the. I would give them more credit than its critics did at the time for one simple reason is because they can't 
have the wisdom and knowledge about the technology yeah. that was expected of them at the time because it was so new. You could have it now. Sure. But at the time, you couldn't. Or right. Strange Days is another example. Sure. But like the thing that all those movies share is an excitement about it. An excite and like that's I think what's special I guess about these these movies you know they're not all successes but I think what's special about them is just you have this enthusiasm for you know kind of prognosticating like you know how is this cool tech going to affect you know this that or the other or like the lawnmower man like I'm watching like the special features of it and like Brett Leonard just seems like the nicest guy <laughs> and he just loves virtually he's like yeah I went to you know like out to Palo Alto and I went to like a VR conference and I put on a headset and I was hooked and like I wanted to make a and movie said, Get showing me that cool shit yeah and I think that's what Johnny Mnemonic kind of has too is just like you know we're or you know you know like robert longo wasn't like a filmmaker by trade he was like a, he directed music videos he was like a, a you know a, an artist of like chalk drawings right. and things like that right. he was just kind of like a renaissance man yeah. just the true sense of an of artist and something turned him on about cyberpunk and i think that this what's evident in all these movies is just like these guys are just so enthusiastic about the about what it is is there a case though is there a movie that's like just about excitement about the technology because in every instance i feel like they're all about the dangers inherent yeah well i think at maybe... some point it's going to be used for nefarious purposes yeah um, is that just because they're working in sort of the thriller or action genre and it's like, well, we need to have a possibly MacGuffin? or it's just I mean, I guess the thrill aspect of it more or less is like disclosure because it's not <laughs> like that's not the bugaboo in that movie. No, I guess not. Um, Ladies are. Yeah. They're the real threat. It's, it's rough. Women good and thing, their boobs. Good thing we have VR to save us from <laughs> ladies. Thank you, Michael Douglas. Yeah. You perv. Yeah. Um, that movie's so demented. <laughs> I haven't I, seen it in so long. There's like, so he sexually, so Michael Douglas has been sexually harassing his uh, his uh, assistant, like executive assistant. Like he'll like pat her on the butt with like oh a file God. folder and stuff like that. I don't and at, the, at, that. The, at the end of the movie, like, to show that they're cool. Like, he apologizes to her. Ah, uh, he learns that it's bad. But then she pats him on the butt with the file folder. Equality! Yeah, <laughs> just like, oh, uh, Barry Levinson, right? what are you doing? Him and Michael Crichton should be shot into the sun. Yeah. Um, if you're a fan of VR and thrillers, I will <laughs> point you to an unusual choice. Okay. This is kind of my staff pick of Ooh, the month. I love this. For, for the VR thing. Um, there's a big child endangerment climax in Disney's first kid that involves the, <laughs> the president's son going to okay. the mall to play like VR and Timothy Busfield is like catfishing him and Kim, Timothy Busfield is like a disgraced secret service member that the kid got fired because he was like crazy. And then the last like 20 minutes turns into like the end of kindergarten cop where it's just like people getting blown away <laughs> finally I'm like i'm like sinbad you gotta take busfield down <laughs> who's the president and first kid no like nobody ah, forget they, it then yeah yeah you need a name 
You do need a name. Right? Yeah. I never saw first kid, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to I'm gonna try to twist Rob's arm into Sinbad Month one of these years. Oh shit. What else is part of Sinbad Month? I mean house guests. Which I've also never seen. Uh first kid, you got necessary, necessary roughness. roughness I've he's, seen. he's funny in that. Sure. He's um one of the best supporting performances of the nineties in Good Burger. He's just I don't even remember. I saw Good Burger. I wrote a paper on Good Burger, and I don't remember uh, Sinbad even being in it. Good Burger is fucking amazing. That's what I hear. I haven't seen it in yeah. 25 years, yeah. so I don't know. But I hear that like it was a much funnier movie than it it's, was supposed to be, you yeah. know, to be this goofy kids movie based like, on a sketch. It's Outlaw Nick. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic, yeah. Um I was loving Keanu Reeves' performance in this movie. He's very fun. It's the closest he's ever gotten, I think, to, like, Nicolas Cage mega acting, where he just has, like, freakouts and goes way big at times. Good call. I laughed out loud uh, at one point, and I can't do it on the podcast, I apologize, but when he's, like, trying to decide whether or not he's going to let them essentially kill him or whatever and he just like he just does this huge like shoulder shrug like a fuck it yeah and i laughed out loud at how great it was he's such a great physical actor yes he is i was reminded this time watching johnny mnemonic and i think it was kind of partially informed by you know his enthusiasm for the constantine character and he's bringing that back and i'm just like these are his Riddicks. Yes. Like, I would love to see him return as Johnny Mnemonic. And it may, an updated version, too. Right. Like, you know, set it in 2045 or whatever. Um, 2021, VHS, still all the rage. Although... <laughs> Tube TVs it, everywhere. Yeah, it kind of, you know, I mean, VHS kind of made a comeback. So maybe, like, Ice-T's underground guy was just, like, a collector. <laughs> he was just kind of, like, into his own nostalgia kick. Be kind. Rewind. <laughs> oh shit. The Yakuza. <laughs> yeah. Uh speaking of which, this is our fourth Ice T movie covered in four consecutive years. I it was fucking unplanned. love this trivia fact. Yeah. So the four are New Jack City. That was twenty twenty two. Okay. Really? Yeah. That was last year? It was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So let me back up. Okay. Surviving the game? That was twenty twenty. 3,000 Miles to Graceland. 2021. Then New Jack City last year. Yeah. And now yeah. fucking Johnny Mnemonic. So, and then next year, I mean, like if we did Tank Girl. Which I'm down to do in February. Um, I mean, like I feel like Trespass needs a show. <laughs> like we got it I like for Trespass. a little while. Yeah. 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 I mean, he made some shitty movies eventually. He, oh, sure. <laughs> but he, Haven't we all? He was on a run for a while. I like that his name in this movie is J-Bone, and I was like, yeah. is this where I got that from? Like, <laughs> Because obviously, JB was like a name that we invented to call him on the podcast because of his yeah. teaching career. And then slowly I morphed that into J-Bones, and I'm wondering if that was because of Johnny Mnemonic, like yeah. somewhere yeah. implanted in the back of my head. Yeah, I do like that, um, you know, he's J-Bone. There's like a couple other characters that have weird names. Spider. Spider was the other one. Who was Spider again? Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins, thank you. Um, And then the dolphin's name is Jones. Yeah. 
And I'm just like, if anybody should have had a funny name, it should have been the dolphin. <laughs> and Dina Meyer is Jane. Yeah. She could have been like Sue. Yeah. <laughs> she um, just has a regular name. Spotlight Showcase. I think Dina Meyer is so underappreciated in these types of movies. This was her first movie, right? Was it? I believe I read that. And then so she, she, she finished, was on like 90210 yeah. and stuff like that beforehand, right? But after this, okay. she went to shoot Dragonheart. Which she's really good in that. She's really good in Anaconda. She's really good in. I don't in, remember her being in Anaconda. She's smooching with Owen Wilson. They're the horny couple. I thought that was Kari Wurr. Oh, aren't they the same person? <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was Dina Meyer. We're going to no, find out. You're right. Out. It was Kari Wurr. Okay. Um, but she's really good, obviously, in Starship Troopers. That's yes, probably what she's, she's best awesome known for. Movie. But yeah, I mean, she just she commits, and she's yes. she's great. She just knows exactly what movie she's in, and she's just you know lights up every scene she's in. She's she's underused in this movie, and I think yeah. the characterizations of all of the characters she's are... kind of Angela Bassett in Strange Days a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I like that they make her a bodyguard. Yeah, but they don't let her whip very much ass They'll give her the shakes they give her the shakes yeah, they no. give her the black shakes yeah mm-hmm. um johnny mnemonic probably has the most characterization and honestly he has he has very little because yeah. early on i was like no keanu reeves is really smart casting for this because you want somebody who's just like kind of blank and mm. exists as a hard drive you know basically but then they try to add some stuff like he wants the good life and he loves the finer things and it comes out every once in a while but it's not like well developed at all it's kind of interesting because like when he it comes out the most when he says i want room service i want my shirts laundered and everything like that and i didn't i i thought back and i'm just like oh yeah you know at the beginning yeah he's in the the posh hotel room and he's Got like a Dom Perignon bottle and ice and an ice bucket. We have like pause ice. Is that in the theatrical cut? Yes. Okay. It is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 it tracks more than I expected because, like, at the when he gets to the the point at the end of the movie where I was just I was like, where does this come from? Where he's like this man of luxury, but like <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you kind of hinted at it's, it. A little it's bit. there. Yeah. It's just not especially well developed. I, the blankness is more interesting to me, and his his decision to sacrifice himself, which ends mm-hmm. up not happening, obviously, because they are able to extract the data without killing him. But like, at least that's character growth. Yeah, in a movie where it's lacking elsewhere. Yeah. I don't want to see this scene in the movie, but I would love to be a fly on the wall in the the, the world of this film of the first time they tried to do a risky download with the dolphin. <laughs> like, like, how did one plus one equals two? And then they were just like, I think the dolphin's ready. <laughs> and then the dolphin does it's like the wildest reveal. It does like fucking like echo the dolphin yes. power and like. Dina Meyer holds up like a cheese grater that shoots out like the sensation when your foot falls asleep at Dolph Lundgren, but it burns him alive. Yes. And then like one of the best, it's the best part of the movie, I think, because it's like a visual joke that you weren't expecting and it's masterful. And it's it happens like, in like the last two minutes of the movie. It's the end of the movie. It's the yeah. last thing in the movie. Is when you think his his dead skeleton is going to get up to attack them. 
but then you just cut they pull back and then they show that they're just lifting up his dead skeleton and then they throw him off a bridge into the water take that garbage out yeah yeah jones jones I forgot that Udo Kier is in this movie too, playing a character named Ralphie. And every time they say Ralphie, I'm just thinking about Udo Kier. Like, I would like a Red Rider BB gun. Johnny. Better movie. Better movie. Yeah. Look at that leg lamp. (laughs) Look at my leg lamp, Johnny. I can't do anything. Did you know that um, one of his bodyguards, he has two bodyguards. He has like the trans woman who says like, I haven't been in one of these in years. And the Kelly Lynch one. And the Kelly Lynch one. The Kelly Lynch one is Tracy Tweed, Shannon Tweed's sister. Did not know that. Yeah, baby. Yeah. This movie just got better. Yeah, exactly. It's got some Tweed power. You know what also makes this movie better? Everything in it. Laser whip. (laughs) Yes, laser whip. Oh my God, laser whip. (laughs) This was the first time that I saw that gag where Udo Kier gets like... Oh, yeah. Vivisected by laser whip and slides apart because then we see it again in like yeah. vampires. We see it again in Resident Evil. We see it. I think Blade did Blade it. Blade does yeah. it. Yeah. Johnny Mnemonic was first out the gate. Yeah. I mean, I would like a laser whip, Johnny. I, I, I love laser whip just because. And the Red Rider like, BB gun. <laughs> if you're ever in doubt of like. Drink is, your oval team. Is Johnny Mnemonic a mall movie? Laser Whip. Yes, it's a mall movie. <laughs> this is very much a mall movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's a mall movie that blows your mind. One thing I don't like about Johnny Mnemonic. Take it easy. I, I will. I will. <laughs> I texted Rob this afternoon while I was listening to the soundtrack for Johnny Mnemonic. Okay. And I said, this might be the only thing in the 1990s I don't like. And the soundtrack to Johnny yeah, Mnemonic? Yeah. Interesting. There's What's two on the good songs on there. Okay. Like, I listened to it front to back. Okay. There's a Stabbing Westward song that's on the end credits that's pretty good. Okay. It's called Pulse Pounding Cyrus. <laughs> no. What is it called? Where's my note? Uh, Nothing by Stabbing Westward. <laughs> All right. Um, and then the Brad Fidel score, they have like one cut Would of it. know, didn't hear it. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> the thing that's funny about it, okay, it fits really well and helps me understand that this is um, an Albert Pune movie. Okay. But it also sounds like missing cuts from Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, where it's just like, I what like is that score. the score? Yeah. yeah. It's just weird and like very i won't say unpolished but just like especially compared to like brad fidel's work on the james cameron movies that he did it's just like it's so just kind of lo-fi and quirky and stuff like that so i really i really liked it um but yeah the soundtrack is garbage it's like it was a period in music that i didn't love and a style of it's like yeah it's not industrial it's getting there. But it's getting there. And yeah. that's worse than being industrial. <laughs> like, yeah. watered down, soggy industrial is mm-hmm. even less interesting. Isn't there a Rollins Band song on the soundtrack? There is a Rollins Band song. Is it good? No. No, okay. No. Um, okay, I got a question for you. Yeah. You're, you're probably more of an authority on Henry Rollins than I am. Mm, okay. Is he canceled, or did he ever do anything sketchy, or is it okay for me to be a fan of his? I'm a fan of his. I haven't heard of him. Being I'm just. Car- I just want to be careful because yeah. there's like a lot of guys from that era, era where it's yeah, like 
it's just like, yay, isn't so and so great? And then you're just like, right. have you read their Wikipedia page? <laughs> so I just want to, I just want to be careful. Um, I've always been a fan of Henry Rollins. Okay, so um, Henry Rollins. I uh, when I got COVID, like back in August, yeah, I was stuck at home and was very bored, and I was quarantining and everything like that. And for some reason, I had like a day where I remembered that I liked the song Liar by by Rollins Band. Yeah. And I listened to it maybe like seven times in an hour. I was just like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking up to see like controversy so, on his Wikipedia. I'm sure he doesn't. He seems views like a- and relationships. I don't want that. I know, no, the views on relationships thing, I did read something about it. He's just kind of decided not to take his self, himself out of the game. He just doesn't want to date and stuff. Okay. That's basically all it was. I feel like I remember him saying some stupid shit, commenting on yeah. something once, getting called out for it, and then I think backpedaling and apologizing. Okay. But I don't remember what it was. Yeah, so. usually like dudes who are like really opinionated about stuff find their way into stepping into a bear trap once or twice. <laughs> right. So no, there was a time where like I yeah. was listening to tons of Rollins band um and buying all of his like spoken word CDs. Yeah. I had those like memorized. He played the Mercury Theater once and I came close to going. Yeah. I was interested. Yeah. I was fascinated by him. I was reading his books. I uh, his I mean, his first four movies, it, it falls off pretty quick, but his first four movies, mm-hmm. The Chase, yeah. which was part of the reason that I embraced and loved that movie, because I was like, Henry Rollins is so funny in it. Mm-hmm. I love The Chase, and now it's like Charlie Sheen and Christy Swanson talk about two people. Who... Anyway, yeah. uh, Johnny Mnemonic, <laughs> Heat, and Lost Highway. That's a great run. Yeah. And then he does Jack Frost, and it kind of falls off. But... So five. <laughs> Jack Frost, all right, for what Jack Frost is, it's pretty special. I've never seen it. It's a good, bad Christmas movie. <laughs> it's in the box set. Okay. It's with uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Jingle All the Way, Christmas with the Cranks, and Deck the Halls. I That's a five interesting classics. box set. Five I love classics. the trivia that Jack Frost was supposed to be Clooney, yeah, which is why the snowman looks, like, looks the... like Clooney. <laughs> and he left uh, Jack Frost to do Batman and Robin. Yeah. Which should have starred Henry Rollins as Mr. Freeze. Yeah. The yeah. most intense Mr. Freeze ever. <laughs> I would love to see it. That would be great. Um, yeah. Uh, you were going to say, as I was rattling off Henry Rollins' movies, The Chase. Oh, um, there was a thing, you know, speaking of people who spout off and say stupid shit. Yeah, yeah. Ch- Charlie Sheen, I remember, and I'll only say this because Christy Swanson's a POS anyway. Um, he said that, like, they, somebody asked, like, you know, about his leading ladies that he worked with. And he said, with Christy Swanson, he said that if a thought went through her brain, it would be the loneliest thing in the world. Oh, wow. And I was just like, wow. Take it easy, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did he say anything about Natasha Kinski in Terminal Velocity? I think that he was the only one who could tame her. <laughs> Ditch Brody. Taming Natasha Kinski. Yeah, but then he was like saying stuff. He's just like, I'd really like to jam her and stuff oh, like that. Like Jesus he was Charlie like, Sheen. I was like, geez, movie line magazine, easy. <laughs> so this was like a while ago. It was like in the like around the time Terminal Velocity came. Oh out. my gosh, yeah. really? Yeah. Before cancellation was a thing. Oh sure. Yeah. The only thing <laughs> you would cancel like is your been. subscription to movie line. <laughs> yeah. Um, Great piece on Charlie Sheen. Please uh, take this away from me. Yeah. Um, 
I watched a promo for the Williams pinball game of Johnny Mnemonic. Oh. Um, the guy who was the engineer of it or built or design the game designer, he was very impressed with himself. He's just like, <laughs> he's like, this game is good for novices. This game is good for experts. And he's just like, they just let me design the game. They just let me do it. That's how it works when you're hired to do jobs, yeah. game designer. Yeah. He's just like, the mnemonic glove is at the top of the board <laughs> and you shoot the pinball into the glove and then you can control the glove you can move it left you can move it right and i was just like right yeah. it was fun sure but one thing that i i, I love about so all these pinball games are very cr- crossed they're very crossed prohibitive <laughs> they're very cost prohibitive yeah. but one thing that i do like seeing on ebay is you can buy like the artwork like the that's on the, the right. head of the the machine yeah those are sweet like sure. if you just like bought those and like got them framed and everything like that, that'd be nice. The Johnny Mnemonic one, obviously, I would get after I would get Congo and Batman Forever. Naturally, but I mean, it would just be a summer '95 <laughs> exhibit. <laughs> they made a mistake opening this movie in the summer. They did. I have an interesting story about that too. Okay. So, um, on the and I'll get to this in a second, but on the the Blu-ray for the black and white version, yeah, they, one of the special features is they have a conversation. Um, from 2022 or 2021 with Keanu Reeves, William Gibson, and Robert Longo. Oh, that's amazing. And they talk about it for like 25 minutes. And apparently, because of speed, um, everybody at the studio was so bullish about yeah. it being a hit, Johnny Mnemonic being a hit, yeah. and that they flipped it from a February 95 release to, or a February it was either February 95 or February 96. I think it was 96. Um, released to May of 95. Um, and they flipped it with Mary Riley because that movie was supposedly like in production hell like while they were making and stuff like that. So because Mary Riley was so shitty, it poisoned <laughs> the box office prospects of Johnny Mnemonic. Damn it. I don't – I mean I don't think this movie was ever going to do – very but in well. February, I think it would do better than better. it did because it just got lost. Like, was there ever like a, a techno thriller that did super well though? Not till the Matrix, right? The funny thing too with the Matrix was when that movie was uh, coming out, I w- I remember seeing like the HBO first look for the Matrix, and that was kind of like re- what really sold me on it. But leading up to it, I wasn't like a Johnny Mnemonic fan. No, me either. Um, so I was just like, this looks like Johnny Mnemonic. Right. Like, I don't want to watch this. And that's almost why the first time I saw The Matrix, like in its second or third weekend in the theaters, I was lost because I was expecting a turn off your brain type of action movie. Sure. And then like 30 minutes in, I was just like, I, <laughs> I should have been paying it. I should just get up and leave and go to another screening of it. And then, you know, I basically had my come to Jesus Dolph Lundgren moment. <laughs> Jesus time. Yeah. yeah. Do you think um, those ads on the Super Bowl for Jesus were Dolph Lundgren's Jesus? Oh, those were weird Jesus commercials. Yeah. Supposedly, yes, Dolph Lundgren for sure paid for those. Yeah, supposedly that's paid for by a, an insidious yeah. uh, group Yeah, that does not really promote the teachings of Jesus. Right. But teaches the prom- promotes the teachings of hate and intolerance. 
There was a... It's a good thing they're on the Super Bowl. <laughs> there was a lot of that, though. Yeah. There was like, here's the commercial for the Greg Gutfeld show, and here's yeah. Roseanne's new stand-up special. And yeah. here's, it's like, here's, a, here's Elon Musk and Rupert right, Murdoch. Just to remind you, together. you're watching Fox, everyone. And it's like, I wonder what they're talking about. <laughs> it's just like, I don't. They're talking about Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I smell a one-star rating coming into <laughs> the iTunes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Grow up. <laughs> Everybody doesn't agree with you. Anyways, um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, yeah. D- so I, I got super excited when I discovered that Robert Longo had never made another movie because I was yeah. like, oh, this is a real Mark A.Z. Dippy situation. It's uh, a bed of roses. <laughs> Forgot what the name of the director. Michael, he only made the one movie. Yeah, he just did, he wrote and directed Bed of Roses Get and then, out of town. And then How pieced does that out. Happen? Yeah, but it is a Marquesi. It's probably closer to the Marquesi because we did Spawn last year yeah. for our February's fantasy sci-fi fuck up. And then didn't uh, the guy who did Crow City of Angels only direct Crow City of Angels? Holy shit! I don't want this to become <laughs> part of the criteria. I don't either because I want to do Tank Girl and that's Rachel Talele. Right. So, yeah. Although she hasn't done a ton of movies. No, but she, she did a great a lot, movie but... called Frederick's Dead. Yeah. <laughs> you and I park our cars in different garages on that one. All right. Tim Pope, what else did you direct, baby? Uh, Hold on. Okay. Director. I, I'm sure he's directed more. It's another music video situation. Is like it? all these okay. guys. Which is why I don't totally understand. I don't. He might have only done the Crow City of Angels, which is like we stumbled into this three years in a row. Yeah. Not on purpose. Yeah. Um. A short film called Phone. Yeah. Otherwise, it's really just music videos. Okay. So if this... I never got the sense, though, that Robert Longo was there, primarily... I a, up with his name. <laughs> yeah, I, I never got the sense, though, that Robert Longo was, like, primarily a film director. I felt like he was, like, dipping his toe like Robert De Niro with, like, a Bronx Tale and a Good Shepherd and stuff like that. Yeah. That's not his gig, his primary gig. Well, it's weird yeah. because Robert Longo, for not really being a film director, mm-hmm. the movie hangs together pretty well. Yeah. At the same time, for being, like, kind of an artist sort of futuristic renaissance man tech guy it should look better it should be like yeah. an alex proyas movie you know like it should look or a brett leonard movie or a brett leonard <laughs> a, a b lens yeah um and it doesn't it kind of looks like dog shit i get it the production design and everything about the look of the film is is pretty shitty yeah but i think it almost works to its benefit because if you tap into the wavelength of like this is an albert pune movie yes it looks like an albert then pune it, movie for sure it's exactly what you want <laughs> right you don't want it to be more polished that's true um i i want to get back to that interview because one thing that was really interesting was hearing william gibson and hearing robert longo who are guys who have not stayed in the film industry right. in the for the long term right talking to keanu reeves about it and it's just like really interesting because like gibson and longo are basically like yeah the you know the studio manipulated this that and the other and it was a really troublesome shoot and everything like that and keanu reeves is just like i didn't feel any of that so like kudos to you for yeah, like right. kind of shielding right. me for that and letting me be creative and everything like that and then also they were talking about longo and gibson were talking about just kind of how disappointed they were in from 
you know, they wanted this to be like a million and a half dollar art movie. And it's really kind of a funny, like, you know, Hollywood anecdote where it's like they couldn't get a million and a half, but they got they but and like their agent or their friend or whomever it was just like if you ask for 30 million you're more likely to get that yeah. than if you get a million and a half because they have no use for a million and a half uh budgeted movie so that's what ended up happening um but uh they were all pissed off about the edit because it's just like you know this isn't what we wanted this is what we came into it this feels compromised and everything and then keanu reeves is just like i've always liked the movie because you know like i get what you're saying but like for me, you know, he's the seasoned veteran who's been in Hollywood forever. Yeah. He's just like, there's the movie in its script stage. There's the movie in its, when you're shooting it, there's the movie in post-production right. and everything like that. He's like, there's the movie after you test it and everything like that. And he basically is kind of like, you never know what it's going to turn out to be. And I think what we ended up with is for what, for whatever, for what it's worth mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And that's another reason why I just love Keanu Reeves is just like, Anybody you know, else would have yeah. distanced himself from this movie. No, yeah, it's shocking that he would. Yeah, he's. This is the type of movie that we get, like the the Shout Factory release, and right. like you couldn't get the star, but you get like maybe you get Udo you might Kier. get Dina Meyer <laughs> right. to talk about it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you said that he's in the interview, I lit up. Like, yeah. oh wow, he's still talking about this movie. That's so great. Yeah, and he looks totally dog starred out. He's got that the, the nice. winter hat on, and like the thing that's nice about it is he seems. It doesn't seem like him and Robert Longo like talk all the time, but sure. it's just like it's it's like when you're you're friends with somebody and you don't see them for a long time, but you can pick up right where you left yeah. off. And they had that vibe to it, where That's it's like amazing. you could tell that they kind of just enjoyed working together. And That's awesome. That. I yeah. fucking love Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I mean, I know everybody does now, but fuck, man, I've loved him since like '87. Um, yeah. I, it's funny because my memory was like Keanu in the nineties and even for part of the two thousands, like up until it's really like John wick where he hits a specific stride Mm -hmm. and he's doing a certain thing and everybody loves him now and all that. But like for a long time in the nineties and the two thousands, he would do like a big hit yeah, and then he'd be kind of in the weeds for a couple of years. There's a lot of ebbs and flows, for and he'd sure. do another yeah. hit, and it would buy him a few more years of like mm-hmm. weird experimentation and shit. So, yeah. to me, Johnny Mnemonic was one of his in the weeds movies, where like speeds a big hit, he stumbles until the Matrix, mm-hmm. and and my memory was that he was like bad in Johnny Mnemonic, but watching it today, he's like so dialed in. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's great. He's so entertaining in this movie. Yeah, I um, I I like going, you know, he like you said, like it's the ups and downs of his career for a number of years and everything like that. And like the thing that kind of saves him is just like every five years he'll have like a giant hit, yeah. like just kind of a generational right hit. Right. Um, I remember in two thousand three, you know, like not that. People blamed Keanu Reeves about um, the Matrix sequels yeah. or anything. I, I never felt like he got shaded for those movies. No. But I remember, like, you know, it was such a disappointment compared to, like, what you thought this this series could be coming off of the first one. And then just, like, on a lark, me and probably a lot of people during winter break were like, all right, I'll go see Something's Gotta Give. That seems nice. pleasant. And then Keanu Reeves is hitting three-pointer after three-pointer yes. after three-pointer in that movie 
completely selling you on this romance with Diane Keaton. It's adorable. And I, that's the thing that I love about these little, you know, quote unquote dead periods of his career is like, there's little gems within. And for sure, that's the thing that, and you know, just stuff that you, you just wouldn't think would work. And it's just like, God, I I just keep going back to like how fucking great he is. And something's got to give. Something's got to give is one of those movies though, that like you go to, cause there's nothing else out. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh shit. That completely caught me by surprise with how good that is. Yeah. It's complicated. (laughs) That is not (laughs) something's got to give. I wanted that to be something's got to give part two. And it's not for me. It didn't work as well. No, no. I have a sliding doors question for you. All right, let's have it. Um, so, uh, originally Val Kilmer was supposed to play Johnny Mnemonic. I read this. And Keanu Reeves was supposed to play uh, Val Kilmer's role yeah. in Heat. Yeah. I think it worked out for the best. I do too, but I would love to see Keanu in Heat. I would love to see I Keanu think he would now kill in that Heat. part. I think now I think I don't know how I would feel about him in 95 in Heat. Okay. But I think that anything maybe after 2000 he could have like really okay. crushed it i i just don't think that i don't know for some reason um keanu reeves reads young to me where i think Val kilmer reads more older i agree with that but grizzled, that's old i guess but that to me gives it a more interesting dynamic that they have almost a kid on the team oh like a father-son type yeah. thing, dynamic with yeah. De Niro. that's yeah. interesting yeah and you know that he would be he would roll with that crew because Tom Sizemore would be like, "This kid's fucking awesome." <laughs> of course, yeah, he's and Canadian. And then like Kevin Gage shows up, and they're just oh, like, no. "What a fucking step down!" <laughs> oh shit, yeah, it's Kevin Gage. <laughs> he had to get it on. <laughs> oh shit, it's Wayne Grove. I hate Wayne Grove. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you hate Wayne Grove. God, I hate Wayne Grove. Val Kilmer would have been, I think, terrible to Robert Longo. Oh yeah. And That's not the guy that you want. No, to, for an ever a first time director. No, I think he would have yeah. seen the writing on the wall pretty quickly. Yeah, and been kind of a monster mm-hmm. and not given his all the way. That, and I like Val Kilmer a lot, but I think yeah, I do too. He wouldn't yeah. have committed to it the way that Keanu commits to it, and right. he certainly wouldn't be giving interviews about it thirty years later. No, no. Um, yeah. Anything else about Johnny? Nemonic? Not for me, no. All right. I um, like this movie. I do, too. I was surprised. This is my favorite of the sci-fi fantasy fuck-ups we've done so I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I think that um, it's Crow City of Angels, this, <laughs> and Spawn. Oh, shit. But the Crow City of Sorry Angels. Sorry to disappoint is, you. The Crow City of Angels is just like. Wait, Spawn is second? No. Oh, I Johnny think. Johnny Mnemonic is second. And then I said, and then Spawn. Got it. I misheard. I thought I, was, I thought I heard you say this was third of three. I was like, oh, shit. No, Crow City of Angels is just like, it's like when a group of gentlemen are like, let's retire to the study for our, our brandies after dinner. It's just like, and then you just stand around and you're like, you know, I know it's not popular to say, but Crow City of Angels is pretty fucking great. And then like you all get like comfy chairs and you sit around a fire and it's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, we've done, you know, three in a row sci-fi fantasy fuck ups. Yeah. Um, all extremely compromised in the edit. Yeah. Which I guess goes to why they end up being these sci-fi fantasy fuck-ups. And I kind of like the approach that, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I like that we're, <laughs> these are our definition of fuck-ups, where it, it sure. got fucked up. It's right, not, right, right, right. And, you know, 
the result is something that something. that gives people fun <laughs> enjoyment. Right. That gives people fun. <laughs> and dolphins. We give people fun. Have this come, movie. We come, give people fun. Come to the underground cinema <laughs> rink. We give people fun. Um, and when you get fun, you're number one. <laughs> I would I would still love to see a real edit of Crow City of Angels. I would too. I think there's a movie there. I just uh, don't think the Miramax version is the movie. I do too, but when I heard like what his original vision was for it, I was less interested. Than okay. Me. This is the thing that I'm noticing too, not maybe with Spawn, but with <laughs> like Johnny Mnemonic and with um, Crow City of Angels. The filmmaker um, almost, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but like almost naively kind of goes into it like wanting them to be more art pictures yes when it's pretty obvious that you need these things to be pulpy genre exercises to sell to teens at the mall yes and i think that they're as intent in the edits that go out which are how they were intended all along other than to the filmmaker i think that they work great um maybe not at the time but like When we talk about, you know, genre exercises, uh, you know, of yesteryear compared to today and everything like that, like, you know, they they were just so professional and they were right. just so like from creatives and not, it's funny just like when you hear like how compromised some of these movies are and it's just like, I wish that the compromised <laughs> movies nowadays turned out anything close to how Johnny Mnemonic came Well, I out. think, we're, I'm sure we're opening a different can of worms and we should wrap up, but like, sure. I think filmmakers go into these movies now like already compromised. Yeah, I could see that. Because that's what the system is now. Yeah. So they're not coming into it with a vision that then gets fucked up by Disney or Marvel or Universal or whatever, you know, uh, they're coming into it already compromised and willing to make a fucking corporate movie, you know? Yeah. There's one more thing we should talk about. I got a couple too. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, I don't want you to forget yours. I was going to say any of the Super Bowl commercials get you excited. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, but a couple other things. I yeah. read something. I might have been half asleep. I don't know if it re- is real. <laughs> but there was some version of the script where they mentioned the Dolphins' reliance on heroin. Isn't that? I mean, they don't say heroin, but they inject him with something in the Japanese cut. Oh, that wasn't in the American cut. Okay. So, but I read something Ice where it was tea, just like, like, yeah. The, shoots him up. Okay. So, interest, <laughs> in Japanese, interesting. America was like, no, we can't have that. But the Japanese are like, yes, absolutely. America was dolphin crazy. Do- um, <laughs> did you ever play Echo the Dolphin on Sega? No. It's like a great game if you're you're like having a panic attack and you need to just calm down. Because it's very chill. If you can only have one in this movie. Yeah. Dolphin, yeah, or Dolph. What are you picking? Dolph. Okay. Yeah, I mean Dolphin's great, and I love Johnny. <laughs> Mnemonic. Because I, of the reveal, I, I love Johnny Mnemonic's reaction to it. He's just like a dolphin. Or it's a like that. fish. It's a fish. Yeah. It's a mammal. Um, and I like when Ice T shoots an arrow through someone's mouth. Hell yes, that's pretty cool. Hell yes, yeah. That's just Robin. Jay Bone is great. Um, all right, so. <laughs> Better or worse, cousin. (laughs) 
better or worse than these uh, other 1995 sci-fi fantasy movies. Oh my gosh, I love this. Okay. Um, 12 Monkeys. <laughs> I have to say worse. <laughs> this I, is worse than 12 Monkeys? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I rewatched 12 Monkeys at the draft house when they did that Brad Pitt yeah. mystery marathon. It's pretty good. I've never liked 12 Monkeys more than yeah. that time. Like It's so great. It's, and it's, it's pretty maybe... Good. Top three Bruce Willis performance. He's awesome. Yeah. It's like that, Pulp, and Die Hard. I probably can't disagree with that. Yeah. All right. Strange Days. Uh, I like Strange Days better. I like... I, I, I know you're not a huge I haven't Strange had the Days magic guys, screening right? of yeah. Strange Days yet. Um, but I'm not as big of a Bigelow guy as most people. Um, Congo. <laughs> I like this better. I like Congo better. 95 was a fucking magical time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is a movie I almost rented because I saw, I'm like, I've never seen this. And I flirted with watching the Jerky Boys, but didn't have time. <laughs> um, but Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde with Tim Daly and Sean Young. Uh, this is better. Okay. Uh, Judge Dredd. I mean, oof. One of these years, right? sci-fi fantasy fuck up. This that we should we have these scheduled for years. We in should advance. probably do Judge Dredd. We should just do it just to do it because yeah. there's no way the podcast is going to last as many years as okay. we have sci-fi All fantasy right, fuck ups. That's fine. Yeah. Um, if you put them both in front of me, yeah. shit. After this viewing, I'd probably go Johnny Mnemonic, but they're real neck and neck. Yeah, good double feature. Yeah. Um, Johnny Mnemonic or Jumanji. Johnny Mnemonic. I like both, but Johnny Mnemonic. No, Jumanji. Um, Magic in the Water. I never saw it. Uh, it was like Joshua Jackson and Mark Harmon. And I think like- Sounds like Avatar like 2 Nessie. to me. I don't know. Hey, um, bro. T- Tank Girl. There's Magic in the Water, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing. All right. So I just rewatched uh, Way of Water yeah, yeah, last yeah. week. Yeah. Um, where do they pick up? Pick, pick, I have no idea. Bro and cuz and all that. I don't su- know the surfer lingo because yeah. it's not like Jake Sully talked that way. No, I love it. Not at all. I love it though. Um, <laughs> uh, what was it? Um, Tank Girl. Tank Girl's fun. I'm due for a revisit again. I've never seen so it. neck yeah. and neck. Okay, Highlander: The Final Dimension. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic. I think I'll go Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, Waterworld. Waterworld. Mortal Kombat. Johnny Mnemonic. Virtuosity. Johnny Mnemonic. Batman Forever. Batman Forever. The City of Lost Children. Never saw it. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. I saw it the same day that I saw Judge Dredd, because I think they opened on the same day. That Those two and Apollo 13 opened the same day. I did not go see Apollo 13 opening day. <laughs> I saw Apollo 13 opening day. <laughs> I think day. I saw yeah. it the next day, okay. but I saw Judge Dredd and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers both at one Schaumburg place in like a sneaky screening where I just wandered into Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, even though I never yeah. had seen the show. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like, you know, when Gary Sinise kind of like came to prominence, it's like, you know, in uh, with the Tom Hanks movies with yeah. Forrest Gump and with Apollo 13. And then in Ransom, he was sinister. <laughs> Before he was, give not. me back my son, Yakuza. <laughs> my Capri son. <laughs> I drink a lot of Capri Suns because it's nineteen ninety five. I can't poke the straw through the little pouch. I like juice and it's portable. <laughs> uh, I think I would take Waterworld over all of them. Yeah, I would. I would be Batman Forever over all of them. Okay. But like Waterworld's a certified. <laughs> Classic. Shit, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, black and white version. 
Johnny Mnemonic. I'll just yeah. say um, I didn't watch the whole thing, but it, it if you like the Sin City movies, you'll probably like Johnny Mnemonic in black and white because it has that vibe to it. Yeah, I know. It he looks said a he lot envisioned like it that, in black man. and white, but there's nothing about the way it looks that would lead me to believe that black and white would improve it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I like that Johnny turns into VR Job at the end, like in Lawnmower. Yeah, Man. that's that stuff's bad. Like any of the, I don't think any, it's bad. I think it's good. Anytime they visualize the internet, it's like, oh, okay, here's the limitations of the budget and of the time and what we think the internet is, or at, what or should is... what it should have been, <laughs> in my eyes. But anyways, what um, if Meg Ryan was talking to Johnny Mnemonic on the other end of her AOL chat, and you've got mail. <laughs> what if um. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan fucked in VR like yes! like uh, Jenny Wright and Jeff Fahey in Lawnmower yes. Man. Yeah. Tom Hanks becomes – Joe Fox becomes the Lawnmower Man. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, all right, so what's the name of the actress who plays the co-worker at Shop Around the Corner? Heather Burns? Why wasn't Heather Burns like a lead actress ever? She's great. She is great. I love her and You've Got Mail. She's I good love in her Two in, Weeks Notice. She's great in Miss Congeniality. Yes, very good. She's got that great quote um, about April twenty fifth. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and she, I, her delivery on Kel Nightmare is still my favorite. Um, yeah, and then she doesn't she join the other uh, the uh, the Eddie Burns stock company? Did she? Isn't she in Fitzgerald's Family Christmas? Mm. I'm looking it up. I don't remember. I thought she was like the one who had her shit together in that movie. Yeah, I know Carrie Bechet. I know Caitlin Fitzgerald. I know Connie Britton. Wait uh, for it. She's in Manchester by the Sea. I don't remember that at all. Your uh, house burned down? Cal Nightmare. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Fitzgerald Family Christmas. Oh, okay. She plays Aaron Fitzgerald. And I thought she was in a different uh, Eddie Burns movie, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay. She's in Choke. Oh, she's in The Groomsmen, the Eddie uh, Burns movie. They kind of knocked uh, Eddie Burns a little bit on blank check recently, and I'm just I haven't like, listened. I was going to listen to their Life Less Ordinary episode, but I got a bad feeling they don't yeah, like they it. Yeah, they don't really like it. Um, but I, I, That's I'm, a mistake. I'm just saying, maybe a little bit of fealty to the king. Why do they knock him? Because uh, he loves Woody Allen? <laughs> no, I mean, that was kind of the thing. That, not recently, but um, in this episode, it was the... Knock at the Cabin episode he okay. got brought up. Because they, they said something about how they rewatched Saving Private Ryan. Okay. And it's just like, why did all the other men die? But like Eddie Burns, whose only characteristic is like, hey, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> He's is Irish. just like the guy who made it. So, Yeah, I guess. I but know. like, I'm that's a, not I'm Eddie Burns' fault. I'm a card-carrying member of the Eddie Burns fan club. So. You and me both, my yeah. friend. Yeah. And like, isn't it? Whatever. <laughs> Also, Fast 10. Uh, yeah. Needed some Eddie Burns. <laughs> no Jason Momoa. Make Eddie Burns the villain. <laughs> Where he's just like, kill your whole family, Tom. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, I'm going to do it in a really casual way. <laughs> um, I don't like the Fast 10 trailer. No. It's, I, it's I, very self-serious. Yeah. And there's 25 cast members that I'm, I'm expected to keep track of. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. And 
There's a lot of shit in that trailer that I don't like. I They give away too many gags, I think. I enjoy the tradition of going to see those movies uh, with one of my family members. Yeah. It's become a thing, and I, I enjoy that part of it, and that's why I'll continue going. Um, I dread us doing an episode on it. <laughs> like, I dreaded us doing an episode on, like, Jurassic World. Did Falling we do Kingdom. Fast 9? Yeah. We did? Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, <laughs> I, I had a weird thought that was very mean when I saw it the trailer for it okay momoa pops up yeah and he's like my man immediately i just clicked in and said this is not why i go to the movies interesting like i think that he looks like captain jack sparrow he does it's like just meathead on top of meathead on top of meathead like just i'm just done with all of it like i and it's kind of more just on the whole, like when I see like the summer slates and I felt this way for the past couple of years, like not a, this isn't, you know, a comment on me, you, Rob, JB or anything like that. I look forward to the summer show. I think the least of any show all year. That's fair. And it's because summer is yeah. terrible. Yeah. And like, it's been that way for a long time. Yeah. And where it used to be like January and like right. February, the bottom, or maybe September right. or something like that. Now it's just like the, the the you know first four months and the last four months. It's just like oh, that's where the, right. whatever pearls we're gonna get are for sure. There. And it's just like a dead zone from May through August. Oof. So I don't know. Um, yeah, when John Cena showed up, I got annoyed because I just like yeah. I know that's the trajectory now. You're the villain, and then you're on the team. Yeah, <laughs> and Statham shows up, and I was like, well, you probably could have saved that reveal. Yeah, and then you just know that they're gonna waste Charlize Theron again. Yeah, it's almost like I'm enjoying her being so bad in those movies. <laughs> like I don't want it to turn around. I just want it to get worse. Um, and then another thing, just kind of like part and parcel to like how out of control this whole fast thing has yeah, gotten yeah. is like, I was like, oh yeah, Han's back. And it's just like, remember right. when it was like justice for Han and now it's just kind of like, oh, they should have never have done There's that. just so many people. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the, and Michelle Rodriguez, coming. who's like one of the biggest badasses in cinema saying game recognizes game to the director of unicorn store. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, and I liked Brie Larson for a long time, yeah. but like she's gotten so insufferable. I think just, yeah, she's just a salesman now. And, she's yeah. She's a pitchman for Nisa and marvel and then she's on like instagram being like anybody reading good books lately and i'm just like how old are you like don't you have like a core four to ask these questions to Uh, i'm looking at the summer lineup and it's pretty rough i'm not finding anything yet that i'm like really excited about i mean i'll see indiana jones oh mission impossible dead reckoning yeah i'll see all these movies but like yeah mission impossible dead reckoning is just like Everyone will see it. We don't even need a Super Bowl ad. Right. I have my hopes up for Barbie. Yeah, I'm curious. Right. I like the cast. Right. Greta Gerwig is that interesting. trailer is good. It's funny. Yeah, it is funny. Yeah. And it, if that's the tone of the movie, fucking right on. Sure. Yeah. Um, Oppenheimer. I'm. It's like an no. appo- it's like an oil change. Yeah. Like no. I'll go. No. But like. There's a movie coming out called uh, Neil Blomkamp made a movie called Gran Turismo, which I really hope 
yeah. Clint Eastwood sings at the end of the movie. <laughs> I do too. I saw the trailer for that at some point. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen any. It of looks trailers. Need for Speedy. Um, oh fuck! I thought Air looks pretty good. Um, that's the Affleck Damon Nike oh, movie. Yeah. Um, and I support what they're doing at Amazon Studios, which is basically like they don't make movies for adults anymore. Let's make movies for adults because we can afford to bring right. Phil Knight's money. Right. Um, Creed three, I'll see. Although I have already said to Rob, I'm rooting for Jonathan Majors because I don't <laughs> like Adonis Creed anymore. Like it, I should have stopped after one, man. Like that movie's feels, really good, and it was yeah, it feel, a fucking magic trick that it worked at all. It feels weird to me that Stallone's not back, and it feels even weirder to me that Stallone isn't even like giving the courtesy, you know, like right, good right, luck right. to these guys right. thing, especially with kind of how his character left off with passing the torch, and just immediately he's just like <sighs> fuck Rocky um, <laughs> or fuck Creed. But um, also, like I think Michael B. Jordan has gotten so much worse since Creed. Like whatever it factor that was promised yeah. i'm just like what he's not it yeah just a, and i'm sorry i know people like loved him in black panther that's a shitty performance it is bad i haven't seen it since he's the overdoing it really okay he's so hammy in that movie okay um yeah indiana jones i mean just because it's indiana jones right um and i kind of trust james mangold for the most part um i do too yeah if it um, wasn't in, in the fourth or the fifth Indiana Jones movie, yeah. I feel like I would trust him more. Yeah. If it was just, here's a new James Mangold movie, I'd be like, yeah, fucking A. Yeah. I will I will go see Guardians 3 just because I love the first two. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I'm super excited about sad Guardians. No, I'm in the same boat. I, I, I enjoy fun. the first two movies. Yeah. Uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beast. I'm checked out. Holy I haven't even shit. seen like I haven't seen like the past two or three of those. Nope. Um, Super Mario Brothers movie. Sure, whatever. Nope. It's for kids. Um, 65 looks okay. I'm interested. To, I like Adam yeah. Driver enough to be curious, and then also, um, I'm curious to see dinosaurs in a movie that's not Jurassic right. Park. And um, it seems kind of small, which I like. Yeah, I think I look. I saw something with the runtime where it was like ninety something minutes. Yeah, it that's looks like Planet of like the Apes, uh, but with dinosaurs. Yeah. That's like a third of a John Wick four. Yeah, too long. <laughs> Stop um, at the long movies. Dungeons and Dragons is it, it's kind of amazing because I'm just like I'll see anything with Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you're really testing me, guys. <laughs> Um, we would like to call you bluff and this is from a guy who fucking loves aragon <laughs> really yeah i didn't know that i've only seen it once but i remember when i saw it i was just like i'm like it's not as good as lord of the rings trilogy <laughs> but it's like 80 percent there um i just really like aragon um and then the flash was like the big one yeah i am ex Excited about Michael Keaton as Batman. Yeah. I'm resentful that they're tricking me into seeing a movie right. I don't want to see to see Michael Keaton as Batman. Yep. It's the No Way Home thing again. Um, yeah, but worse because yeah. what if Tom Holland was also an abusive piece of shit, you know? like yeah. uh, You know what's weird? Okay. Maybe Ezra he Mil is. I don't know. <laughs> Ezra Miller is an abusive piece of shit. Yeah. 
I still like Tom Holland less than Ezra Miller. I almost spit out what I was drinking. Holy shit. I saw that he's doing like a movie playing Fred Astaire. It's like a biopic about Fred Astaire. Naturally. And I'm just like, can I get the droogs to drown me before I just I don't end like up? this thing. It's a little bit the same with Michael B. Jordan. And, and Creed was great. And, and Fruitvale Station was great. And like Michael B. Jordan gave some really yeah, he's really Strong good. Strong performances, and, so, movies, and he's yeah. charismatic. And but there's this this assumption now that he's a fucking movie star. Yeah, and it's the same with Tom Holland. It's like, well, I played yeah. Spider Man, so now I'm a movie star. It's like, no, yeah. you're not. You don't just get to walk into the Fred Astaire role. Yeah, uh, maybe it'll be great. I have no idea. I want to be excited about movies, not dreading movies. But when we talk about this lineup, it is very difficult to retain my optimism. But that's the thing. I mean, like, I these are the movies that come out during the summer. Yeah, so these yeah, are yeah. the movies that I, for the most part, like eighty yeah. percent of them. So these are the movies I dread now. Right. But like, you know, for people who are rolling their eyes, being like, "Oh, he's up this movie, guys." They're so negative about. Yeah. current cinema which yeah. i it's not an unfair argument <laughs> at least especially for with me um what i'm really honing in on is just there, there's a lot of good stuff but it's all in the first four months in the last four months of the year right and just for me i've seen it all i've been there done that with all this summer stuff like i did and it's so much worse than it used to be and i i'm just tapped out yeah i just, i don't care about so much of this stuff like because you know, when you make ten Fast and Furious movies, what difference does it make if you tap out after seven or eight or when they get subsequently worse? You know. And again, the model for blockbuster filmmaking keeps changing, and it's a model that I'm less interested in all the time. Everything it's weird because it's like as much as Netflix wanted to feel like real movies, real movies feel like Netflix. Yeah, it's all merging. It's all just kind of we forgot how to make movies. Yeah. And it's uh yeah, Johnny Mnemonic, please come back. Bring back Johnny Mnemonic, everybody. Yeah, Viva la Johnny Mnemonic. Viva. Everyone get some room service tonight as you listen to this. Witherspoon. Uh, go to fthismovie.com every day. Yeah. For more content, new shows every Wednesday. Thursdays, go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash F this movie for reserve seating and continue virtual reality month. What's coming up this week? Uh, the lawnmower man. Nice. And then the following week will be lawnmower man two, which is like the gremlins two of lawnmower, man which movies. is has two titles, right? Cause yeah. I always thought it was beyond cyberspace. That was the theatrical surname and then, or subtitle. Right. And then, um, I think on video is when they changed it to Job's war. Job's war, baby. Yeah. And man is Matt Frewer just playing Jim Carrey and Batman forever in that movie. <laughs> it's like, if you have, if you can't get enough Riddler, watch lawnmower man too. Uh, for more of this movie content, you can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash F this movie. And of course, F this movie fest coming up. March 4th. Go to fthismovie.com yeah. for more details. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Adam. I had to dump a chunk of long-term memory. You had to dump a chunk of what? Thanks 
for listening to FS Movie.